Let's get back to BetQL's tailgate kickoff with Ryan Horvath, presented by BetMGM. Got about two and a half hours before kickoff here on the East Coast. Noon kickoff, of course. I'm Ryan Horvath. It's Saturday, October 14th. You're listening to the BetQL tailgate to kickoff. We're going to talk with Chase Kitty here, sports betting analyst over at BetMGM, host of the Lions Edge podcast. Uh, it was a late night for your boy. Stanford, Colorado. I want to say I got to bed last night around 2.45 a.m. The game goes to overtime. Colorado had a 29-0 lead at the half. They blow that. They lose outright to Stanford. I did have Stanford in the game, took the points. Uh, unfortunately, I had the under, and that uh, that died. The under came to die in overtime. That's usually what happens when you go to four overtimes. But Stanford comes back. They win that game outright. Colorado blows a big lead. What a wild night, and uh, that was just Friday. Now it's Saturday. We got some big games, including Oregon-Washington, 3.30 p.m. kickoff. Oregon at home, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. We're going to talk about that and more, but we're going to start with the futures market, and to do that, we welcome on one of the greats, Chase Kitty. Give him a follow on Twitter on X, Chase Kitty, sports betting analyst over at BetMGM. Also, give a follow over to the Lion's Edge podcast. Every once in a while, I jump on there. Uh, Chase, did you stay up last night for Colorado-Stanford, or did you get to bed at a normal hour? I know you're a morning guy. Uh, I tight in the sheet 915, I think. Uh, I, I And I knew the Colorado game was on, too, and I, I just didn't care. <laughs> I did not watch. I my, uh, my wife's best friend's husband recently quit his job and just, like, was not into it at all. And it, it was like a celebration of finally I'm walking out of this company. So we were over at his house for a little while. We're driving back. We drive by a sports bar. My wife sees through the glass window, is there college football on tonight? Like the, the implication being, and you're not watching it? And I, yeah, it's Colorado, Stanford, not a fair. <laughs> so, you want, so you got some brownie points last night by uh, missing football. Now you yeah. don't want to do that today. You wanna, yeah. You're going to want to be in front of the TV. But like I keep telling everybody, like if you do have anything to do, which I don't, I'm going to be in front of the television all day. I have four bets in the noon slate. Noon, that's probably the time to do it because we got a bunch of big spreads. But man, like, I feel like today is going to be the day of the dog. I feel like one of these teams is going down. So I want to get to our picks to close out the show. But right now, I actually want to hit on some futures markets. And I want to hit on the Heisman market because today is a big day. And I know you got a bunch of Michael Penix Jr. He's right now over mm-hmm. at BetMGM, plus 200, 2-1 two to one odds. He's the favorite. Caleb Williams, who won the award last year, is now plus 225. You got Bo Nix, plus 600. Bo Nix is going to take on Michael Penix today. So you have two of the three favorites doing battle today. Michael Penix Jr. plus 200, Bo Nix plus 600. Then it's Dylan Gabriel down to 12 to 1, uh, closed 25 to 1 last week, but gets the outright victory over Texas. And then you have Jordan Travis 16 to 1, Drake May 16 to 1, JJ McCarthy 20 to 1. Talk a little bit about Michael Penix and what makes you nervous about today's game against Oregon, or maybe you feel good about your bet. Well, I think the thing that makes me most nervous is just general like Catholic fatalism. I think you probably understand what I'm talking about when I say that. Uh, just it's it's going really well. Like it's it, if you have Penix stock, which I did, that was my big futures position from from the preseason from the summer. It was you know I, I kind of liked Washington for the playoff. Maybe you even want to sprinkle in a little national championship. But the problem with Washington is they're not one of those top one percent brands. They've been to the playoff before, but they're not Alabama. They're not Clemson. And that Pac-12 schedule, even before we got into the season, you could see Washington's final month was going to be brutally tough. So what's what's the easiest way to balance those thoughts? You know Washington led the Pac-12 in total offense last year. You get a little bit of Panix-Heisman hype. So I bought into that pretty heavy, 
And to have the CLV that I have right now with Penix at two to one and at the top of the board, it's great. The problem is, and this doesn't just apply to Penix either, it's also relevant for Caleb Williams and Bo Nix and, and even guys down the board like Ward. The The Pac-12 has kind of done this year what the Big 12 has done in the past, which is they've either accidentally or on purpose, they have staggered their schedule toward the back end very aggressively. And so none of these teams have played a lot of intense games yet, which is why you see so many Pac-12 teams high in the futures market, so many Pac-12 quarterbacks high in the Heisman market. That kind of ends today. You know, you referenced earlier, USC goes to Notre Dame. Washington's going to play Oregon. All these other top 25 Pac-12 teams are going to have to play against each other over the next five, six weeks. And I don't know if anybody's getting out of here unscathed. And so that, if you're looking for an angle to bet somebody a little farther down the board, or if you're looking to throw dirt on why this is maybe the top of the arc for Penix, the idea is none of these teams have played everybody yet, and nobody's going to be unbruised six weeks from now. And maybe they all fall out of it, and that's openings for other teams and other players. I also played some Penix before the season. I'm a big Michael Penix guy. I'm a big Kalen DeBoer guy. Obviously, like you look at that offense last year, number one, you know, in some metrics, number two in some metrics as far as total offense in the country, number one passing offense. You have three NFL wide receivers on that roster. So I like that bet going into the season. I did play some Jaden Daniels thinking, hey, if LSU could sneak into the playoff, I really like and I what I've seen from him the last couple of years, and he stayed in the pocket a little bit more. Uh, and then I played some Dylan Gabriel only because like last year, Oklahoma was able to move the ball. The numbers were good. They just really struggled to punch the ball in when they got into the red zone. And then you look at the two games that Dylan Gabriel missed when he got hurt. He missed the game against Texas. They averaged 10 points without him and only 230 total yards. That's how important he is to that offense. Now he's down to 12 to 1. But uh, the guy I wanted to ask you about was Caleb Williams. Won the award last year. He's going to be the number one overall pick. He's going to be the top quarterback selected. But we haven't seen a back-to-back Heisman since Archie Griffin did it back in 1974-1975. Do you think Caleb Williams and USC need to go unbeaten for him to win this award? Because I just feel like, you could say like voter fatigue in the NBA and NFL. I just don't feel like you want to give a back-to-back Heisman since it hasn't happened since the mid-70s. Yeah, I think the bar to clear for back-to-back Heisman is so great and probably even unfairly great. But we, like you said, I mean, there are parallels to lots of other sports. We just get bored and we don't, you know, we're very kind of communist almost with how we like to spread all these awards around. Like we, we never want to reward one person too much. And maybe that's a good thing almost, you know, to, to put shine in other places and not congregate. We already congregate national championships into a very small amount of hands. So maybe it's good that individual player awards, we don't necessarily want to do that. It's not necessarily a bad instinct, but when you isolate how good Caleb Williams has been, if you can mentally separate him from the rest of his team, the rest, you know, how his offensive playmakers have degraded around him from last year to this year, how bad that team's defense is this year. He's still incredible. There's a reason he is talked about alongside Andrew Luck as an NFL draft prospect. He's really good. But I think we got a really telling signal last week when USC struggles to put away Arizona, not just because of what Caleb Williams was doing, but the whole team's performance. And they barely get out of that game, often because the defense is just so spotty. Penix jumps him in the Heisman table, and Washington was on by. That right there tells you all you need to know 
about how fast we get fatigued on reigning champions who are still around. And the comp that I made in the preseason was to Bryce Young last year. Bryce Young was a reigning Heisman champ coming back at a historically powerful program. It was the same thing. He was at the top of the table for the first month of the season. And voters just don't like that. For whatever reason, the nature of the Heisman is they don't like that. So I would be surprised. I mean, we're already seeing Williams get dinged, and that team's still undefeated. When they have to go against some of these other teams over the back half of the schedule, five of the last six opponents are currently ranked in the top 25. They're going to lose some games, and Williams is going to get dinged. I think that's just the reality of it, even if it's not fair. Completely agree. If they go unbeaten, or if they lose one game and get into the college football playoff, I think he obviously wins the award, or at least he's going to be invited, no doubt. Um, But, I mean, like, you look at what he's had to do. That's not a good football team. The defense, I actually like the hire of Alex Grinch. The defense has regressed again this season. The run game's actually been fine for USC, but even the passing offense, it's kind of like backyard, playground-type stuff. I love Caleb, but you saw in that overtime win. Like, he's carrying that team on his back, and I want to see what happens tonight against Notre Dame, especially if we get those windy, wet conditions in the Midwest. I think Notre Dame's live tonight, and that's why they're uh, three-point favorites right now over at BetMGM. Uh, the guy I wanted to ask you about, last one here before we move on, Brock Bowers is down to 30-1. to If Georgia runs the table, goes back to the college football playoff, they're your SEC champions, do you think he at least gets a look? Because Carson Beck hasn't been great this season, right? And I think Brock Bowers is the best non-quarterback in the country, but does a tight end actually get a look at a, at a Heisman here? The short answer is no, uh, yeah. probably even hell no. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And, and that's, you know, Brock Bowers is awesome. And they probably don't win that Auburn game without him. But I, I just think the the likelihood that a tight end in Georgia's offense, like, is that even the side of the ball that most people associate with with Kirby Smart and Dre? Say so it's just no. like the, the institutional problems against Bowers winning it. I think the way more interesting thing about Georgia it right now is Carson Beck. And to be very clear, I would not bet a Carson Beck Heisman ticket, but I spend a lot of time every week in the Heisman odds market updating content for, for the BetMGM blog, who, whom I obviously I work for. And so I, I see a lot of these number movements week to week. And Carson Beck spent most of the last month or so in the 60 to 1, 80 to 1 range. And then I go on in the last couple days to look at the Heisman market, and Carson Beck is 35 to 1 at BetMGM, sitting right there behind Bowers at 30 to 1, like you highlighted. So, what does that mean? It's probably just an adjustment. It's probably just, you know, post Kentucky, the sports traders are looking there and saying, well, we've got a quarterback on an undefeated team who is the two time reigning national champion, and we have their quarterback at 80 to 1 to win the Heisman. That could be. Uh, be a potential liability down the line. Maybe we need to trim that price in. Uh, but I do still think a dramatic movement like that for a guy that nobody has talked about right now in the high school market is fundamentally interesting, even if it's not a ticket that I would buy. It's crazy when you look at this market, man. Like Quinn Ewers was 7-1 to one last week. He had six incompletions, but did turn the ball over, had two interceptions and lost a fumble. And now he's priced the same as Blake Corum, the running back for Michigan. Ewers right. down to 50-1, to one, Corum up to 40-1. to one. Cora makes sense because they haven't really got Donovan Edwards going in that backfield. He's been really good for Michigan this season. All right, so your biggest position, though, would be Michael Penix. You're going to be cheering for Michael Penix the rest of the way, correct? Of course, yeah, because because of the price that I got him at. But now, I mean, like, I have, from a, from a hedge position standpoint, like, I have won the Penix position 
So now it's all about, well, what can I add to that to reduce my potential liability if something goes wrong? How can I add to that position? Because I'm operating from a position of strength. All right, we're going to get to some game picks here in the next segment. But the last one I wanted to ask you about, uh, so Oregon right now, you know, and these are off the board over at BetMGM because it's Saturday, but Oregon plus 220 to win the Pac-12. That was the current price. Washington plus 220. USC plus 240. Then you go all the way down to the Utes, 13 to 1. Washington State, 13 to 1. Oregon State, 13 to 1. Is it as simple as the winner of today's game, Oregon-Washington, wins the Pac-12 and gets into the college football playoff? I mean, obviously, there's still a lot of season to go. There's some tough games. There's the Pac-12 championship. But do you believe that the winner of this Oregon-Washington game uh, does go to the Pac-12 championship? Or do you think there's value with any of these other teams? Mathematically, it seems likely that they go to the championship game. But I think we've seen the history of the Pac-12 is a lot of times the team we don't expect to win that game ends up winning that game. Uh, And that's sometimes like last year that worked in Utah's favor. Everybody kind of thought USC was going to walk into the playoff and Utah beats them. We've seen in previous years, it's worked against Utah where Utah was the one in position to win that game and go to the playoff. And then they lost to Oregon. So I think just mathematically, whoever wins Oregon, Washington, yes, they are most likely to be in that game. But if anything, the way odds work and and get moved around so aggressively, I would look to bet against the team that ends up winning this Washington Oregon game, because I think the PAC 12 is such a mishmash of really good teams. I don't think, you know, you're going to see it solved in week six or seven. Yeah. And I, the reason I wanted to bring that up is because we got really good prices with Utah last season. Remember they had a couple really bad losses. Then they end up sneaking into the PAC 12 championship game beating USC in that game and we were getting ridiculous prices and it was not looking good, but ended up working out. So I agree with that conference. Uh, we got about a minute and a half. We're going to take a break and we're going to get to our picks. But as far as just the outright winner, national champion, looking at the updated market over at BetMGM, Georgia, the favorite plus 250 makes sense. Michigan plus 350. I think they're the best team in the country. Ohio state nine to one, Florida state nine to one in about 90 seconds or less. What do you think the best bet on the board is right now? Or what's a good look if you did want to get involved in this market? Is it, as easy as grabbing Georgia or Michigan for you? I think Michigan is the easiest, simplest, most straightforward answer. I I did a little bit of write-up this week on this. Uh, Just looking at Georgia-Michigan, just the top two on the board. I'm just not a a buyer of Michigan. It's nice to watch them actually play a a good, complete, started early, finished strong kind of game last week against Kentucky. That's one game. I think Michigan's defense is elite. I don't know if Georgia does anything this year that's truly elite. It reminds me a lot of how Florida State was that year after they won the national championship, where we just kind of kept saying, well, no, they, you know, they're back. It's, it's Florida State. They're the reigning champs. They're going to be. And then they just clearly weren't at that level. I just don't think the market's caught up to Georgia on that yet. So I would look at Michigan. And then I think if you're chasing return, it's all about who do you think can come out of the SEC West and potentially win an SEC championship and, and looks compromised now but ultimately makes the playoff as a one or two loss SEC champion. Alabama 18 to one right now, Chase. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, Hey, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to give our picks for the day. All of them. We're going to try to hit on every single game. It's Ryan Horvath. We got Chase Kitty with us for another segment from the lion's edge podcast. You're listening to the Beck tailgate to kickoff. 